the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and we're very thrilled to have uh, Sherry Kunis, who's an expert on small houses, sustainable living, prefab houses. She's written nine books, so she's the author of Prefabulous for Everyone, and I hear she's got another one coming out. Well, I'm going to say good afternoon. It's almost 12, so we're so glad to have you, Sherry. So tell us, how did you... Thank you so much. Yeah, you've written several books on prefabricated housings, and you have a you have a book coming out now, also do a new one, don't you? Yes, yes I do in uh, March. Yes, in March. So you'll have to come on and tell yes. us about that. But okay, you you but you right now, if they want to get any of your books, like prefabulous for everyone, they could just go to Amazon. Yeah, they can go to Barnes and Noble, Amazon, or any of. Local bookstores have my books. Right. And that's K-O-O-N-I-S-S, Sherry. N-E-S. K-O-O-N-E-S. Oh, so that my error because they wrote it down for me as I-S. So it's E-S. Okay. Yeah. So look it up. Okay. You're going to want to know about these. Now, how did you get started with really, what drew you to the subject of pre, you know, doing prefabricated, talking about small homes? Yeah, well, I started, actually, I had been in the fashion business for many years, and I took a sabbatical to build a house, and I realized how many problems there were and so many um, extra expenses and issues, and I decided that I was going to write a book for all those homeowners that were going to build a home and to try to help them to avoid some of the pitfalls that I had. And I wrote my first book, From Sandcastles to Dream Houses, and it was well received, and I got a call from another publisher who said we'd like you to write two more books for us. And there wow. went my my uh, fashion um, career. And so I did, still didn't know that much about housing, and so I decided to write a book about called House About It, which talked about every aspect of home construction. And while I was doing that, a friend of mine was building a modular house and invited me to come watch it being built. And I was just blown away. I I was mesmerized by the whole process. I thought, wow, this is the way to build a house. And so in that next book that I did, House About It, I included a chapter on alternative types of construction. And when I was was, uh, supposed to write another book, my editor said, what would you like to write about? And we decided together to write about 
um, modular homes. And when I mentioned modular, everybody said, oh, those are those tacky little ugly houses. Right. So I decided to write a book called Modular Mansions, and I profiled the most luxurious large houses in the East Coast. And just to show that modulars can look like anything um, that any other house does. And as I moved along, I got uh, future contracts for other books, and I, I realized that there were much more sustainable and energy-efficient ways to build a house. So all the books that I have done uh, going forward have all been focused on not only sustainable and prefab houses, but small and efficient housing. And that's something so. that everybody wants to know about. But going back to what I, what your first, my first thoughts are, is when you hear prefab or you hear modular, your first impression probably is not like, you know, great. Now you're saying, right. so tell us the range that you could okay. build. Yeah, tell us a little about that. I don't think that many people know, as I mean, at least I don't. Um, tell us more right. about prefab houses and modular well, homes. Well, actually, there's a lot of misconceptions and misunderstandings about prefab, and a lot of people equate modular to prefab, but there are many types of prefab. There, Along with modulars, there's something called structural insulated panels, which are very energy efficient, and panelized construction, which are large sections of a house that are put together kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. Timber frames today are prefabricated. There's concrete uh, slabs that are prefabricated, log homes. And then there's kit homes, which are go back to the old catalog homes where <clears throat> all the pieces are are built in a factory. They're numbered and they're sent out to the home to the builder or the homeowner to put them together. So that's a kit home. And there are just so many advantages to prefab. I, it's questionable to me why anybody would build on-site. They're faster. They're less expensive. They're more ec ecologically friendly. Um, a lot of the parts of a prefab, prefabricated house are recycled in the factory. And there's lots of opportunities um, for um, for different types of um of uh, recycling. Um, <clears throat> there's no wasted time because of weather conditions in many areas when it snows or it's heavy rain, they have to stop working. Whereas with a prefabricated house, they can continue to work. There's less annoyance to neighbors, uh, you know, with trucks coming in and out and, and uh, large dumpsters. Um, the, um, uh, there's uh, less cost of change orders. Very often when you're building on site, um, your homeowners are given many change orders that are very, very costly. And you have a lot of very professional people. When I was building my house, the plumber would sometimes come. He looks like he was hungover. When you <laughs> are building a modular house in a factory, for example, the plumbers are full-time workers there. They do this all the time. Uh, there are supervisors to check their work so that, you know, there's no, um, it, it's very professional and there's a lot of quality control. So there's just so many reasons to build prefab. When I speak sometimes at conferences, people say, 
you talk so much about how good prefabs are. Like, why doesn't everybody build this way? And actually, it is the best kept secret in America. It sure and is. <laughs> it sure whenever is. I when when people read my book, I get emails all the time. Like, who can I call in my area to build a house like the one in your in your book? Because they're so beautiful and they're so um, well built. And so, you know, I think that. I think to what you said that we people really don't we don't really people don't really know about it and so right what books would you recommend reading which which because you've written a lot of books what which ones particularly <laughs> would you uh, well my latest book um prefabulous for everyone has um very sustainable small houses but there it also includes some affordable housing and also some houses that were replacement for people that lost their houses by hurricanes or fires. And the other very hot issue right now, which is probably the biggest um, conversation in, um, in real estate, uh, commercial and residential real estate, are accessory dwelling units. And that's the subject of my next book. So I included several um, ADUs in this book, and again, the next book will be all ADUs. But several of my last. Would you explain to everybody books, what ADUs? Are, would you explain to everybody what uh, accessory dwelling units are? Sure. So accessory dwelling units developed first in Canada after World War II, and what it is is a uh, a secondary dwelling that either is attached to your house or can be built separate from your house on your property. The good. The best thing about ADUs is that the property is free, and every ADU by um, code has to have uh, a bathroom, kitchen, kitchen facilities, and sleeping facilities. And very often they're multi-purpose; they're used for visiting relatives or for rental, part, sometimes partial or sometimes full-time rental. They are used for elderly parents to live on the same property. They're used for um, uh, young adults, uh, children who, people's uh, children who need a place to live and they can't afford to buy a new house in the neighborhood where they grew up. So, and a lot of people are using them now for added income. And for some people, um, they're using them as their retirement plan. So they will. They will make their money from the ADU, or some people will move into the ADU, and they will rent out their main house. And so, you know, when so, they decide they want to stop working, and does someone have to have the zoning? There is a shortage of housing, but when we, I mean, that's look. I I believe in real estate like anything, and but do mm-hmm. you have to if you're thinking of that? Well, no, obviously they should read your book. But what do you have to know about your property? I mean, do you have to have right. zoning? To, you know, do you have to check the zoning to see if you could build one of them on your property? Yes, you have to check the local codes. And, um, like, for example, the state of California was the first state. They made it universally acceptable to have ADUs on the property. And a lot of uh, towns around the country are... <clears throat> allowing ADUs, and in my next book, I have one in, I have two actually in Connecticut, and because of the vast shortage of housing, this is a great solution for a lot of people, and when people find out about it, 
um, more and more, I, when I go to speak about prefab or other books, people are always asking me about accessory dwelling units because it is a way for them to Im- increase the value of their house and provide extra income and also for family members. So yeah. there's a house right now built in uh, Avon, which is a multi-generational house. So this is one of the fastest growing um methods of building in in the United States and Canada. Right. Yes. So I think if you check your your zoning laws, because I have a friend who was out in, I think, Sag Harbor, and she has a little dwelling in her apartment, and uh, she, you know, has her friends, and when her mom was alive, her mom would stay there where she could keep an eye on her and be there, but yet Mm -hmm. she had privacy. You know, it's not right. like living in your own house, and and as far right. as income goes, the rentals there's not there's there's a shortage of inventory all over. So it's mm-hmm. great. I just think you're right. People really don't know about them, or they have a picture that they're inferior. So you're telling mm-hmm. us all the pluses. Um, right. Is there any negatives that people should know? Um, well, the uh, zoning the. Um... Uh, energy efficiency uh, codes are getting stricter, so they're going to have to meet those codes. Um, and there is a certain expense to building them, so they have to have the financing to do that. But other than that, I would say there's it's just a plus-plus for everybody. And um, when people find out about it, more and more people are, are doing it and checking their local zoning. Uh, I actually just spoke to our first selectman and in uh, my area, and he said they're encouraging people to do this because it's providing um, housing without having to build large um, multiplexes for people. It just and most of them are hidden away in the back of the house or attached to the house, and so people don't even see it. But if somebody wants to build one, they have to check the local codes and see what the restrictions are, see how large they're able to do it. Um, and- and then um, when you find out how, uh, okay, so assuming that you checked your zoning and that you're able to do that, we, who right. where would you go? I mean, I, you know, I've been in real estate my whole life and I wouldn't even know because I think that's an excellent, excellent thing. Um, where yeah. would you go you can, to find somebody who could well, do that for you? Well, in my books, I have resources, you know, oh, people good. that they can call architects and companies that do this. There's a lot of companies today that are specializing in building ADUs, but um, there's also an ADU organization they can find online that can give information. But also, I think if people check with their local architects, um, they can uh, direct them to people that will build them, build the ADUs for them. But as I said, I have... I profiled in this upcoming book 23 of them, and in Prefab for Everyone, I have about three or four ADUs, and people can, you know, get a lot of information from those on what they should be looking for and um, and and how a lot of them are being built and what yeah. they what those people include. Like people need a lot of storage in these units because they're small. They need to make sure that, you know, they have a kitchen that's workable depending on who's going to be living there. So there's a lot of things for people to consider, and they want to make sure that it's well-designed because the most important thing when you're building either an ADU or a small house is that it's well-designed. I have 
I've profiled houses in various books where the houses are the same size uh, square footage as their previous house, but because it was so well designed, they say it's so much more livable, you know, where they have lots of light and the space is used well and outdoor space, et cetera. So the most important thing is um, for any small um, house or ADU is that it's well designed and that it meets everybody's needs. So let me ask you this. You're an expert on small houses. So what's the average, like in other words, what are the qualifications to be considered a small home? Like okay, so to an average home. In my, in, in my books, I don't include any house that's over 2,000 square feet. And I have a lot of houses that are between 1,000 and 2,000 square feet. But I've also included houses that are 450 square feet. Um, so... I I run the gamut of sizes, but they always have to be under two thousand. Yeah. Anything bigger than that, I mean, most I've had people that are living, a whole family is living in a house that's twelve hundred square feet, and if it's well designed, it works for them just fine, and they save a lot on energy and taxes and everything else. Yeah, it's a big savings. I know the first house that I moved in probably would have qualified as a small home because it was, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe it was 1,400 square feet. It was so tiny that I remember sitting in the kitchen, and if you leaned back, I would hit the refrigerator door on the chair. Right. So it was all I could afford, and um, had I known. And it was, you know, it was what I could afford. It was in a nice area. It was very small, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't designed in other words, I think it could be so much more efficient if it's designed properly. You know, it's not how much space you have because a lot of properties right. have wasted space. Like they might have great space, but it's wasted. Right, absolutely. And that's the biggest complaint that people have. And if you go to a really good architect or somebody that's very experienced at building ADUs or small houses, they can they can design it so that you have lots of light and perhaps high ceilings and lots of storage, and it can definitely meet your needs. And a lot of the appliance companies today, more than ever, are building smaller appliances to meet the needs of, of smaller spaces. And the people that I interviewed, I've done several small house books. I, I did one previously, bigger than tiny, smaller than average. And Every one of the homeowners that I've interviewed for these books tells me that it's so wonderful living in a smaller house that they just feel renewed, that they don't have all the stuff around, and it's just an easier life, and they're much happier. So, Plus, and it's probably I've cheaper. <laughs> and it's cheaper. But I've interviewed people that are single, alone, and people that have families of four and five, and they're all very comfortable living in a smaller space. And actually, a lot of families say they like it better because they ha- feel more connected to their children. And, you know, they're not off someplace where they don't know what they're doing. So you what, know, are, and, what, what are the different types? I mean, we have a break, but I'd love to talk. What, like, what are the different types of prefabs you can get? Because I'm telling you. You're going to get a lot of calls on this, or they can go to your website. <laughs> because really... Housing is expensive today, and unless you uh, have the bank of mom and dad that are giving you the money, it's expensive with them. So 
this is a great option to buy a piece of land and build mm-hmm. a small home. And I think after the break, we'll sure. you to talk about that and how really a small home is deceiving. You could really make it if you have the right person fit all of your needs. So when we come back, please, um, we have Sherry Kunas. And this is a subject we don't know enough about. And for sure, it's something that you want to look into because it could be a life-saving Some days I cover up because of my moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. Now I'm hitting the road with clearer skin thanks to Sky Rizzy, Rizemkism of Rizza, a prescription-only 150 milligram injection for adults who are candidates for systemic or phototherapy. With Sky Rizzy, three out of four people achieved 90% clearer skin at four months. And Sky Rizzy is just four doses a year after two starter doses. Don't use if allergic to Skyrizzy. Serious allergic reactions and an increased risk of infections or a lower ability to fight them may occur. Before treatment, your doctor should check for infection and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms, such as fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, or if you plan to or recently received a vaccine. Thanks to Skyrizzy, there's nothing on my skin, and that means everything. your doctor today about Sky Rizzy, the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis. And visit SkyRizzy.com or call 1-866-SKY-RIZZY to learn more. More than 80 million Americans count on AM radio stations like this one for news, important weather updates, and the opportunity to discuss and debate important issues facing our country. But some people want to remove AM radio from new cars being manufactured, and we cannot let that happen. The Senate Commerce Committee has approved the AM Radio for Every Vehicle Act, Senate Bill 1669, and moved it on for a vote in the full Senate. The bill should also move quickly through the U.S. House. Your U.S. Senator and your representative in Congress are in your home state during the annual congressional recess this August. When you see your senator or congressman visiting your community, please tell them you want their support to keep AM radio strong, vibrant, and available to you in your car. This is your opportunity to stand up, be heard. Or you can text AM to 52886. That's AM to 52886 to tell Congress to support AM radio. Feel like you're trying to push a boulder uphill wearing skates? If you run or manage a local business today, you're challenged like never before. We get it, and we want to help. We're Salem Surround, and when it comes to marketing, consider us your personal move-you-forward company. In a recent study, we found that 53% of local businesses were classified as novices when it came to designing, implementing, and managing their marketing needs. And that's where Salem Surround truly shines. We're a full-service marketing agency that'll help you increase your customer base by designing incredibly effective plans to reach your consumers day, night, and everywhere they might be. Let us give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and what your competition is doing. Our digital sales and support teams are the best in the industry and deliver customized personal service that's second to none. If you're a local business and ready for the next step, Google Salem Surround New York right now. Our experts are ready to help you take your marketing to the next level. Google Salem Surround New York today. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and um, I was thrilled to have uh, Sherry Coonies, who has written a million books, 
okay? And you can uh, get her, uh, any of her books, or you can Google her. Uh, and if they Google you, they would be able to, uh, it's www.shericudis.com. Right. And by the way, I have that posted on my site, dottieherman.com, you know, or you can find that. I posted that all on Twitter and everything, and Facebook, so, or my site, because you want to know about that. <laughs> I think you'll have to come on again, because there's so many things more I have to ask you, and I have another guest on. But before in closing, uh, and again, I really want you to come back again, because there's so much that people don't Well, I would love to. Story. I'm so impressed advice, with your credentials. In closing, what advice? <laughs> Thank you. But what advice would you have for anybody looking to purchase a prefab home? I think that they need to look and see what kind of prefab manufacturers are in their area and check their credentials, call people and find out people that have built houses with them and make sure that they were happy um, and, and have them recommend builders that can build the house and, again, check with uh, those those homeowners and make sure that they were happy, <clears throat> excuse me, with the builder. So the most important thing is just to check the credentials of the people that you're thinking about dealing with and make sure that um, if you're going to use an architect that they have experience with prefab and that they know how to design a well-designed small house and with all of the aspects that you need. And um, again, I profile a list of the uh, items that people need to have in a smaller house to make it feel larger, uh, particularly in bigger than tiny, smaller than average, which was my previous book. So, you know, people need, just need to do their homework and make sure that they are they have all their ducks in a row before they start building. I'm sure that for a lot of people, this is kind of an enlightenment because it's a great alternative. It's just that people really don't know enough about it, but Sherry has all the answers in all of her books, and um, <laughs> she will be back again because this is something that really I just, and I've been in the business 30 years, I just know there's not enough education on it, so thank you for providing us all of that, and I'll look forward to you coming back again. Well, thank you so much, Dottie. It was my pleasure. My pleasure, and we'll see you soon, and don't forget, as you can see it on my site, if you uh, don't have it, because I don't want anyone driving and writing, uh, I posted all the information for Sherry so that you can find her and, and read her books. Thank you, Sherry. Have a great weekend, and I hope you'll be back soon. Thank you. You too. Thank you again, Dottie. You're welcome. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Now, what would a real estate show be without talking a little bit about financing? I mean, we've gone from small homes to New York City, and people spend $20 million, $80 million on homes to basically small homes. But let's talk about financing now because unless you're an all-cash buyer or you have the bank of mom and dad that you go to, Tom Drew is here with us from a Vice President of Citizens Bank, and he's going to talk about what's going on in the uh, – Mortgage world. Hey, Dottie. Morning, good morning. Dottie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And, you know, I was just saying on this show because, you know, when everything you read now is saying, well, you know, the president's trying to stop inflation or slow down inflation. So, of course, he raised the interest rates. And now the interest rates are so high. And I think to myself, high. My first house was 15%. 
okay? And I took, and I was telling you from the beginning of the show, I took an adjustable arm mortgage, like a five-year arm, and I think it started at 11%, all right? And, of course, when rates came down, I refinanced it, but that's how you had to buy then. Uh, so right now I'm sure you hear, oh, my God, interest rates went up, but really... I think I did some research, and the average interest rate like was probably around seven, seven and a half. So, would you say we're in an average interest rate environment? Yeah, I would say uh, it's it's a good point. You know, more of a normalized interest rate environment, right? right? Not the uh, you know artificially low interest rate environment that we've experienced the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, normal works, right? It's not that it's uh, a dysfunctional situation. You just have to potentially plan accordingly and and understand that, look, you know, we may be approaching a peak in rates uh, in the next few months, right, as as inflation peaks and the Fed may have a couple more hikes left in them. But that means that rates eventually will, you know, come back down a little bit. So I tell people, like, you know, just if if you're looking to put a strategy in place, you know, look at maybe an adjustable rate mortgage for the time being to help you get to where rates uh, get a little bit lower in the future. Right. They're also adjustable rates are also good. Like if you think your income is going to be going up, like you're starting and you're just starting out and you think you're going to have more income later, um, that's good. Or when I bought my home, it was my first home. the, The rates were really high. So I didn't want to take a fixed rate for 30 years at that high rate. So I did an adjustable and I did a five year arm and I was really lucky, Tom, every time they adjusted, um, they didn't really go higher, so and then when the rates were a good rate, then I refinanced. And we have a shortage of inventory because remember those people that did take advantage and bought during the pandemic. And what were the what was it two and a half three percent, Tom? About yeah, it got down into the twos for sure. Yeah, um, and there were listen millions upon millions of people took advantage of it, and yeah. that's one of the reasons why there's a shortage, right? Because exactly. some people are saying. Hey, I don't want to let go of my ultra low interest rate to to move right now. So it's kind of created a little bit of a a log jam in in housing inventory. Yes, that's exactly it. Because people who took those mortgages, even if they want to change where they live, they're saying, "Well, look, I have this mortgage, and I'm not going to get this rate again." So a lot of them aren't, and it's helping. It's one of the reasons we have a shortage of inventory. Not the only reason, but one of the reasons. So, Tom, if you were going to advise people who are looking to buy or parents who have children who are looking to buy, uh, what, what tips would you give them and what, informa- what, what kind of things would you tell them are important for them to do uh, before they even have, you know, if they're just thinking of looking, of buying and they didn't buy yet, what are the tips that they should do so that they're, you know, so that they get approved? And what are some of the tips that you think could help them get a mortgage? Because a lot of people don't realize when the banks post an interest rate, what they don't usually tell you is that that's really if your credit is really good. But if your credit's not that great, your interest rate's going to be higher. So what kind of tips would you give people who are either starting the process of looking for a home and know they're going to take out a mortgage or plan to do that in the near future? What kind of tips would you give them? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I would say let's look at the things that a bank looks at when they're determining 
somebody's qualification, right? And the three things that people typically look at or should say lenders typically look at would be income, assets, and credit, right? So, um, you know, sometimes there's not that much flexibility on your income. It is what it is. But potentially a cosigner, right? A parent could help add additional income to help you qualify, right? So income is the first thing we look at. We determine what that is. Uh, assets, right? What you have for down payment, what you have for closing costs, and what you have for money after, you know, what's left in the bank after you close. Right. Hopefully there is some money left, right? And then the third thing, which in many cases might be the most important, is credit. And it's not just the score, although the score is important. It's, you know, the type of credit you have, right, that banks look at. Like typically, you know, if you just have a couple of store cards and you don't really have any depth of credit, like you've you maybe never had a car loan or you never had like a major credit card or a personal loan, right? So that credit looks a little thin to some lenders. And what lenders want to see is not just the score, but the fact that you have experience and some time being responsible with credit. So I would, I would say we look at all three things, right? Sit down with somebody and then determine what are some levers that they could potentially pull or improve to help them get the best interest rate, you know, borrow uh, at a comfortable level. I always tell like, hey, you got to have a budget first, right? You can't just shoot for the stars and put yourself in a house poor situation. So those are the things that I would go if I was sitting down with somebody for the first time. And would you, uh, what would you do like in preparing if you're looking for a home and you know you're going to be taking a mortgage out, um, obviously you don't want to buy any large purchases like buy a brand new car or change jobs. Okay. I mean, right. I mean, you know, you want to, if you don't have to change jobs, you don't want to, cause they look at your jobs and they look at how you pay bills. If you have, so you don't want to add another big expense on like a, a major expense, like a car or something like that. And also, um, I, you know, someone told me, don't you have, like if you have credit cards and you, you know, people think, and I did too until I was taught differently. Uh, and they said, well, you know, let me just now get rid of some of these credit cards. And I heard that that's not the right thing to do if you have a lot of credit cards. Yeah, that's that's true, Daddy. especially uh, the cards that you've had for a long period of time. Um, you know, some people have cards since they were just out of college, right? So you right. may have had it 10, 20, 30 years. Do not cancel that card, right? Because that is one of the factors that helps keep your credit score high. The fact that you've had a, a very long, open uh, trade line on your credit report. So those are all important things. Yeah, so, you know, maybe a little bit of austerity is not the worst thing going into buying a home. Like, just, you know, whatever that loan well, officer tells you, hey, don't, don't open new credit. Finish. Yeah, we're coming to a break, Tom. So we're going to finish, like, when we come back from the break because that's really important. And especially with the credit cards, when you're not using them, sometimes you think, let me get rid of them. And if you're looking to buy a home, no, you shouldn't. We'll talk a little bit more about that with Tom Crew right after we take a quick break. Because most people need to get a mortgage. So you want to know what to do so that your credit's good and that you can easily borrow and that you can be able to tell the buyer, the seller. things that hit a family budget the hardest the price of gas and of groceries let us ease that pain at the pump when you enter the eighteen thousand dollar gas and groceries giveaway 
the grand prize winner gets $10,000 in gift cards for gas and groceries. Three first prize winners each get $1,000 gift cards, and 10 second prize winners will get $500 gift cards for gas and groceries. That's $18,000 total. To enter, go to am970theanswer.com. Invite Health would like to help you take care of your eyes this summer with Macula HX. Did you know that blue light from the sun and from light-emitting devices can damage the eyes and have long-lasting negative impact on your vision? Getting powerful nutrients from a comprehensive eye support supplement is needed. Macula HX provides the power of natural carotenoids, lutein, and zeaxanthin, along with vitamins A, C, and E, combined with powerful berry extracts and N-acetylcysteine, helping your eyes combat UV light from the sun. Take advantage of this limited-time offer. Buy one bottle of Macula HX at retail and get the second bottle free. Contact Invite at 800-673-2345. That's 800 800-673- 673 or go to invitehealth.com and use promo code EYES. Be proactive and keep your eyes happy with Macula HX. Call now, 800-673-2345 for Macula HX. Mike Gallagher here. Time is running out to join us in Israel this fall. Dennis Prager and I are headed back to Israel in October with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. Don't miss this incredible opportunity to stand with Israel. We'll visit amazing places in the Holy Land designed to encourage and captivate you at every turn. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and sign up today. In Israel, we'll explore some of the most fascinating sites from religious and political history. We'll walk the same streets that Jesus walked in Jerusalem, tracing back the steps of Jesus and the disciples. We'll float in the Dead Sea with all its healing and rejuvenating effects. We'll visit the Western Wall, a spiritual experience you'll always remember fondly. No other trip will be like this one. Sign up today to travel with Dennis Prager and yours truly, Mike Gallagher, to Israel. Call 855-565-5519. That's 855-565-5519. Or visit StandWithIsraelTour.com. StandWithIsraelTour.com. Hi, folks. It's Arthur Idala of the Power Hour every night here on AM 970 at 6 p.m. We try to bring you a lot of fun, a lot of energy with a lot of facts, a lot of inside scoop from the courtroom and from the streets of the city of New York with our special guests and our regular co-hosts, Sambolino, Joni, Alex, and whoever happens to be walking around the office. Tune in weeknights at 6 p.m. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're here with our financial expert, Tom Drew, and we're talking about financing and if you're going to get a mortgage, some of the things you can do, because remember when people, banks post rates, uh, they're posting their rate that they give the customer that has great credit. I mean, if your credit's not great, uh, then you won't get that rate. So you want to make sure before you apply for a mortgage, you don't want to do it after you apply. You want it before you apply. And the other thing is there's a shortage of homes. So when, you're, when your broker is negotiating with you, with, a, with the uh, seller, um, if you place an offer, the seller, and if you're a seller, you really don't know. I mean, somebody can come into your house and tell you, you know, I have great credit, I'm going to put this amount down, and uh, maybe they really don't have great credit. So a lot of sellers would like to see uh, that paper that says you've been approved to buy 
uh, to, to borrow X amount so they know that this is legit and then you can that you can borrow the money so I don't think a lot of people know the difference between Tom a prequal a pre-approval and a pre-qualification so what should somebody get before they actually buy a home well they're absolutely or- it's different yeah so prequal I'll tell you I'll tell you what each one is and then um, right. I guess uh, you know which one, in my mind, would be better. So the prequal is, is very basic. Uh, the lender's just pulling your credit. They're having a conversation with you about your income, about your down payment, uh, but they're not necessarily verifying that, right? It's just sort of a uh, initial conversation. Now that pre-approval is going to go take that to the next step, right? It's going to actually document and verify uh, the income that you told the lender, uh, the assets that you have to put down, uh, in addition to the to the credit report, so it's gonna it's gonna be a much more thorough review of your financial situation, right? And so, nine times out of ten, when somebody sees a prequal, like an experienced uh, agent or an attorney, or even a, for that matter, a, a homeowner, they're gonna know, like, hey, that prequal, you know, nothing's necessarily verified other than your credit. Uh, we'd really like a pre-approval before we agreed to you know, take our house off the market and go to contract with you, which, you know, may or may not result in, you know, you actually being able to close. So uh, I would advise everybody, you know, take the time, take that extra step and go through the pre-approval process. It's definitely worthwhile. Now, if you're a seller, remember something. There is a difference between a pre-qualification and a pre-approval. And what you want as a seller is you want the person to have the pre-approval. That means that they're approved to to borrow X amount of money, and the only thing that would stop that from happening is if you're home, because the bank always sends someone to your home. The bank from which you're borrowing usually sends somebody to your home, or at least to eyeball it, um, to see if they think that you know it's the right amount of money. And if they if the um, if they say, you know, gee, this house is not, it doesn't appraise for that amount of money, then they won't lend you as much money. So you, you just want to make sure somebody has that, and that's a lot. So it's better for you as a seller because you know that person is qualified to get the money, and better for you as the buyer, it, it, not only that you know you have the money, you're not guessing, uh, you also, it helps you when you're negotiating and you make sure that you tell your broker, if you didn't tell your broker, if you have a pre-qualification um, or a pre-approval, excuse me, you want to make sure you tell your broker that. So when they're negotiating, they can really stress that point because that's really key. You know, as a seller, you can't only look at the price, you have to look at the terms. Are the terms good? How much down payment? Do they have a pre-approval? If they don't, then, you know, you could be waiting for them to get a mortgage and in their 60 or 90 days, they don't get one. Whereas when they have a pre-qualification, you know they will. So those are really, really important things. And I think, Tom, you always tell people, once you get a pre-qualification, it's not, doesn't mean that you want to spend that much money. It means that they'll lend you. But, you know, then you have to decide how you want to live, whether you, you know, you're willing to give up going out to dinner a couple of times a week, whether, you know, then you can figure out a price range. So what tips would you give people if they're getting ready to apply for a mortgage? Is there any tips that you would give? Sure. I, w- I would say, um, you know, 
use credit cards sparingly. Do not apply for new credit unless it's, you know, absolutely necessary. Like some people, you know, you might have to replace something and maybe the only way you buy it is on credit, but be very leery that um, that could impact your credit score, which could impact your interest rate. Um, you know, save as much as possible too. Um, you know, you can't have enough <laughs> in the bank right. when it comes to buying a house, right? So and don't, you but know, don't, you know, when you go to the store and they say, oh, we'll give you 20% off or 10% off this purchase if you take a credit card out with us. And you say, well, maybe, you know, I'll just do that. I don't need the credit card, but I'll do it just to get this credit card. You know, if you have a bunch of credit cards and they're in good standing, you, I, I would say use them, right? I mean. Yeah, pass on that, right? Actually, wait till uh, after you buy your house to, uh, right. <laughs> to take advantage of anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest thing that you see, like, when people come in that, that um, a lot of times if you have a car payment, let's say, and let's say you have six months or eight months left sometimes if you you know and that you'll only know that when you sit with someone like tom and you go through your credit sometimes it might be smart to pay those that off so you don't have that debt yeah so that's the difference between a car loan and a car lease right a loan you could pay off and no more payments right uh with leases um you know, okay. the the bank looks at it like, hey, you know, once you're done with this lease, you most likely have to go out and get another one. So a loan is, you know, when you're applying for a mortgage, better in terms of like when you're towards the end of it, because we know that debt is gone versus a lease, which most people have to go out and lease something else. Um, and by the way, leases these days are insanely expensive, too. So um, just be careful that uh, you're not going to put yourself in a situation where, your lease payment is so high that uh, you won't be able to close on your house. Right. And you don't want to do that at least left you buy the house. So if you have uh, a car and you're thinking about buying a new car, I would say go for the house first. Then buy the car. Absolutely. Okay. And, you know, I, I don't want to – I'm not being negative on home buying because I'm a believer and – my money, you can keep your stocks. I, I believe in real estate if you buy right. But, you know, everyone says, is this a good time to buy? I think it's a great time to buy. And there's a shortage, but I think the mortgage rates are really normal. I mean, they're not overly high, but as Tom said, if you want, you can refinance. Um, and also, I, maybe on another show, I would love, I don't know how much time we have now to talk about it, but maybe a little time. Um, okay, now let's say I have a home. I've had it for 10 years or whatever. I've built up some equity. And I have kids that are college age and getting ready to go to school. College and college is a big number. You know, today, it's, uh, you might as well uh, buy a house for what college was. But, so I, I want to help my kids out with college. Uh, could you talk a little about equity loans and the advantages and disadvantages and how they work? Yeah, I, I, equity is um, is something that most people never really tap into, right? Unless they, you know, sell their house or do a cash out refi. But there is a vehicle that does make it a little more easy to uh, access that the, that equity, and that's either through a home equity loan or a home equity line. Most banks are pushing home equity lines of credits, they call those HELOCs, uh, because those rates are adjustable with the prime rate. Um, it's, you know, they may give you a teaser rate at first, uh, which lasts maybe, you know, six months or 12 months. But after that, you're going to be dealing with whatever the prime rate is, generally plus or minus 
uh, a margin off of that. Right now, Prime is, last I checked, I think it's around 8.5% on a, on, a, on a HELOC. So, you know, if you're, if you're Prime Plus, that gets pretty expensive. Uh, home equity loans are fixed rate. Um, you know, generally the terms are anywhere from like 10 years to 15 years. Uh, so you're going to have the same payment every month, regardless of what the interest rates do down the road. Um, and that's, you know, it, it, we're seeing more of that, more home equity loans, because it, it is a fixed rate. It's not going to adjust. And, and uh, but, you know, look, to me, that gives you a sigh of comfort that you don't have to worry. Oh, my God, if it goes up, I'm not going to be able to afford it. But also... I kind of think, and, and, and again, I'm not your financial planner or a financial planner, uh, but I tell people, and you should consult your, you know, your accounts or your financial, but it's not how much money you have, it's how much money you keep. And so it doesn't matter what you make, whether you make a lot of money or small money, if you own a home. Let's say the home you, you bought for, let's just say, 500 and now it's worth 800 and you have about $300,000 worth of equity. Well, the home is going to go up or down regardless of whether you have a lot of equity in a home or, or a small amount of equity. And so if you have a line of credit open to you, if that something comes up in your home and that money that you the equity that you have in your house is basically money you're sitting on. It's not working for you because your house is going to be worth what it is, whatever it's worth, regardless of whether you have equity, a lot of equity, or a little about. So I uh, don't recommend you go out and take an equity loan and gamble, but in many ways you can get your money to work for you, and that's a subject that I'm not, we don't have time to talk about today, but Tom, I'd love you to come back and talk about that because I think people really in a smart way, can take advantage of that. I'd love to talk about it again. Yes. And how can everybody reach you, Tom? You can reach me at uh, Citizens Bank, thomas.drew at citizensbank.com. would love to uh, help anybody out there. Yeah. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll be back next week. The preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty Incorporated. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.